Welcome back to the Our View podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, life coach, author, and patient advocate, Tom Seaman. Join our conversation as we discuss his dystonia diagnosis and the importance of not being positive, but being honest when experiencing chronic pain. So thank you again uh, for joining me for this well, episode you. of the Our View podcast. I would like to introduce everyone to my guest for uh, this episode, Tom Seaman. And uh, we are going to have a great discussion. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing all of this information with you all. And uh, just looking for a very, very great episode here. So thank you again, Tom, for uh, joining me on uh, today. Thanks, Arthur. It's a pleasure to be here. So can you um, can you just give a description of uh, of yourself? Tell us about yourself. Who are you and uh, what your any any information you want to share is uh, appropriate in this time. So just share uh, who you are and what you would like people to know about you. Wow. it's always a tough question to answer because where do you begin with something like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm just kind of a regular guy living somewhat of an irregular life. And I know that's kind of ambiguous, but what I mean by that is I don't really know what regular and normal is, especially in these times, as we were just discussing with the, with the, uh, with 2020 being the way it was and, and who knows what's going to be facing us down the road here um, in upcoming months and years. And so um, every day I'm a different person. Um, in terms of my health, in terms of my social life, in terms of my business and my work and my passions and my interests, they're always changing. And as you and I were both talking um, a little while ago about birthdays, I have a birthday coming up. I'll be turning the big five Oh next week. And um, you know, that's, it's a big number, I guess for me, it's just another kind of a day um, that I don't plan to make much ado about, but it kind of marks for me a bit of a, um, uh, a bit of a timetable, I guess, is maybe a good way to say it because 20 years prior, um, when I was 30, my life completely changed when I developed a chronic health condition called dystonia, which I'll share with you a little bit more about that. But prior to that, I was involved in um, several different health education businesses. So after graduating college in in the early 90s, I I graduated with a degree in elementary education and psychology, and I was going to go and get involved and be a teacher. But I really wasn't, as much as I love kids, I wasn't really jived about working in the school system. And I got an opportunity to work with with some really wonderful people um, in a patient education company that was tailored for chiropractic chiropractors and chiropractic patients. So I did that for about six years. And then I kind of got this desire to get back to school. And I really wanted to become a counselor and I wanted to either work with children or work in a school or perhaps open up a private practice working as a counselor 
um, and maybe some social work type of a thing. And when I began going to school, uh, prior to my first semester of graduate school, um, I began to have these symptoms of my neck and my head involuntarily moving and it was tilting and turning and twisting and I had no idea what was wrong. And this is around 2001, the summer of 2001. And I was in the middle of, of just beginning graduate school. So I went to some doctors to see what was going on and nobody knew what it was. And it gradually got worse and worse and worse to where I became pretty much disabled to the point of not being able to um, to do daily activities. And what I mean by that is very, very difficult to, to one, even just get out of bed because I was in so much pain and I was having such severe involuntary muscle contractions. Um, and I was um, difficulty showering, brushing my teeth, shaving, eating, walking. Uh, I spent most of my day laying on the floor. So my life went from being a very active business person to a very active student, to a very active athlete, to someone within eight months was literally floor ridden. And so I bring this all up kind of, that wasn't really an answer to your question, I don't think, but I, I bring this up because I'm thinking of a time frame now of, of how my life has changed and how I have changed and who I was and who I've become. Mm -hmm. um, to answer your question in a different way, who am I? Um, like I said, I'm just a regular guy living an irregular life. <laughs> and I say that because <laughs> of the health challenges I live with. But um, uh, I'm not married, don't have kids. Um, I have a wonderful girlfriend of almost three years now. She's just the love of my life, angel set from above. Uh, wonderful family, great support system. Um, I'm a pretty simple guy. I like to keep myself um, interested in the things that my body and my mind are capable of doing and get passionate and excited about doing those things. So I'm into, um, I, I'm not really able to, to involve myself in athletics and sports like I once was at a very high level years ago. So I enjoy, I enjoyed landscaping, you know, not anything intense, but I like getting out in my yard and working in with plants and flowers and, and those kind of things. I enjoy photography. Um, don't do any kind of traveling or anything right like that. I'm, I'm really content where I am. I live in a beautiful part of the country in South in uh, Southeastern North Carolina, right near a beach where people come to vacation. So I have that right at my doorstep, which is wonderful. Um, so uh, I enjoy doing those things. I, I, I enjoy writing. I've, um, I'm on the cusp of finishing my second book right now. Um, I keep an active blog going. I'm involved with volunteer work within the community um, of people that live with uh, chronic pain and dystonia, the condition that I have. Um, what else? Um, okay, there's, there's probably more I'm not thinking of, but yeah, uh, that's just, all great. <laughs> someone who's just, just trying to make, trying to make the most of, of, of my life and who I am and, and, and trying to figure out more about who I am and what I enjoy. But I, but I, but I'm, I'm a pretty upbeat guy and I, and, uh, despite some, some, some rough challenges that I have and, um, I'm just really, you know, like I said, I'm going to be 50 soon and you know, that's a milestone, I guess. And, um, makes you think and wonder and reflect and also look towards the future. So I'm kind of an interesting point in my life right now. Yeah, definitely. And that was all, you know, I, I love asking that question because it, 
um, it, I, I get such a wide range of answers and I love every last one of them just because it's, it, it's important. It shows how, you know, how do you see yourself, you know, saying how family and your support system were important to you, your girlfriend. And it's you know, that, that's what really matters in life uh, for, you know, for me, for sure. And I, I know my support system and family and friends are really what, uh, really what keep me going, help keep me going for sure. So I appreciate, mm -hmm. uh, so I definitely appreciate your answer. <laughs> um, so well, you, thank you. you. I know I went all over the place with that. It's always a tough question to answer. It's kind of like when you meet somebody and they say, so what do you do? Right. And for some reason, we always, we kind of always default to what we do for our job, uh -huh. even though that wasn't what was asked. And there was a time when I couldn't work and people would say, so what do you do? And I said, not a whole lot. I don't so I, I decided to start answering that question differently. And so people say, so what do you do? And I say, well, I love to take pictures. I love to, uh, uh, um, you know, like I was saying before, I love doing work with plants and doing outdoor, you know, landscaping. I love to, you know, whatever it might be. And I, and then I say, they said, no, I mean, what do you do for work? So until they, or I'll, or I'll add that on at the end versus that being the focus of my conversation, the focus right. of my answer. So um it's an, i get like you just said an interesting varied response when when people or rather looks on people's faces yeah. <laughs> when i respond that way versus well what do you do for a living and uh -huh. that's not what they're really that's what they're asking without actually saying it, but that's where we default in our minds because that's just how we think so so you mentioned that you were diagnosed with dystonia can you uh give us a, a better understanding of what dystonia is and how it has uh, impacted your life uh, since your diagnosis. Sure. sure, so dystonia is a neurological movement disorder. It's the third most common movement disorder after Parkinson's disease and essential tremor. Um, the, the symptoms are varied, but the the, the, the primary thing that happens is that muscles will involuntarily contract, which will cause muscles to, uh, well, to contract and spasm and uh, twist and turn. These are terms that we often use to describe how it feels and how it looks. It'll twist and turn muscles. It'll cause awkward postures, awkward movements. Um, for some people, it causes a tremor. In addition to all the things I mentioned, for some people, it may just be a tremor. It may just be a twitching or a turning of the muscles. Um, it may just be contraction and pain that's not even visible. There are a lot of people that have what we call an invisible disease or invisible illness where you can't actually see the symptoms, but in the inside, you can certainly feel them. And you know, with various tests, you can certainly see certain, some of the, uh, you know, that it's actually there. Um, so it manifests in many different ways, but the main characteristics is involuntary muscle contractions um, that are either sustained, which means that they're constant, so they're never, ever going away, or they are intermittent and coming back, they, they, you know, they'll just, they'll, they'll appear and then they'll disappear. Uh, they may appear during certain activities or be more intense during certain activities. Um, but like the other movement disorders, it's involuntary movements that the brain is consciously not telling the body to do. In my case, it affects my neck, so it's called cervical dystonia, but it can affect any part of the body or multiple parts of the body. So there are lots of different categorizations and names for the different forms of dystonia. Yeah, that's, um, 
that's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you said um, the twist and turns, and you said that's what you that's how you use it to describe it, and I really got a good visualization of twists and turns. And how how long ago were you uh, diagnosed with this? Uh, my my symptoms began in in the summer of 2000, uh, 2001. and then I was I self diagnosed sometime in early January or sometime in early two thousand two. It's roughly January February, and then I went to a neurologist and they confirmed the diagnosis, which was uh, roughly that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case, at that point, it had gotten to be so severe um, where just as another visual. My head, in my case, my head and neck were turned to the right and tilted towards my right shoulder, and they were locked in that position. And they were, while they were also locked in that position, they were also at the same time contracting and turning whenever I made any kind of movement or even when I was sitting still. So it was never ending contractions. So if you can, if you can visualize, uh, if you, or if you've ever experienced a Charlie horse, Mm-hmm. Um, the pain that comes with the Charlie horse, either in your hamstring or in your calf. That's similar to the way it feels for a lot of people that have these muscle contractions in other parts of the body that are due to dystonia. And for some people, that, that, that never goes away. So if you could imagine experiencing a Charlie horse or a cramp of any kind in any part of your body and having it never go away, that's what a lot of people with this condition experience. That's how intense it can be. So the pain that can often come with it is absolutely brutal. And the pain I experienced was unlike anything I ever knew existed. It was above and beyond anything. And I experienced a lot of injuries because I was involved with sports quite a bit and had a lot of injuries and just aches and pains from playing. They paled in comparison to the pain that comes with dystonia. It was beyond words. It was intense intense, intense pain. Wow. Very common symptom for a lot of people. Probably the most common symptom is pain. Yeah. And that, um, that's a good segue actually to our next, um, topic here. Um, how are, are there ways to manage the pain or are there ways that you found, uh, that were, that made the pain, uh, easier to, uh, deal with, or is it just something that you had to, uh, you know, let pass at, at as it, uh, you know, whenever it chose to pass. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I've, I've found a lot of different ways to help manage the pain, um, but it took a while to figure out what would help me the most. So, and, and that's the thing about this condition, like a lot of conditions that there's no cookie approach to treating and managing pain in general, just pain. But if you want to take this particular condition specifically, um, highly variable, highly, highly variable results, highly variable symptoms and results from various treatments and therapies. Um, So for me, it's been a combination of, and I can list so many things, uh, but a combination of medications, um, a very targeted uh, um, movement therapy type of a program, uh, type of program which involves stretching, exercises, specific targeted exercises, um, massage. I've gotten acupuncture, which has been helpful at times, um, uh, various trigger point tools and other therapeutic devices like that, um, TENS units, PEMF units, um, ice, heat, a lot of rest, 
um, mindfulness meditation and breathing exercises, progressive muscle relaxation. Um, nutrition has been a big thing as well to keep the inflammation down. Um, wow, I can just keep going on and on and on of the different things. The, um, the, and, and the thing about it is it's changed for me over the years what has helped the most. So early on, it may have been one thing when it was more severe than what it is right now. But what it finally came to be for me was it became a lifestyle. So I had to find out the things by through trial and error. And I really like to say trial and success because we try we try things and try things until we find what works. And then and hopefully you find something we, that you know, works. when we do, we, <laughs> and it's successful and you stick with it. And anything you find, even if it helps 1%, just make that part of your, your lifestyle the best you can. Um, uh, so that's what I did. And I have a, just this long list of things that, um, much more than I just shared actually, cause some of them just seem really minor, but, um, some of them are even emotional things and dealing with, um, how I communicate, uh, with my pain, which is, you know, uh, something I had took me a long time to figure out how to do and, and learning how to accept that this is how things were to learn how to reduce stress and the impact stress had on me dealing with other people and, 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 and various forms of toxicity in my life. Um, so it's not just a dealing with it from a physical aspect of medical treatments and, and alternative treatments. Um, it's also, how do I, how do I, how do I deal with the world? How do I deal with, with, with my thoughts and my feelings and people and, and, and manage how I do day-to-day -day activities and, and things. So it's, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of become a lifestyle to, um, to kind of talk to it. And, and that's kind of, again, kind of ambiguous, but to talk to it, meaning like, you know, so what do you need right now? I ask myself, what does my body need right now? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to go and, and change my environment and, and go for a drive and go, you know, wherever it might be? And uh, do I need to talk to somebody? Do I need to just close my eyes and lay down and go take a nap or just, just, breathe or do we need to get out and get some sunshine or we need to you know whatever it might be so i talk to myself and ask myself what do i need right now in this moment to feel better and that has reduced stress that has reduced anxiety that has also reduced the fight against what i'm dealing with and a lot of us fight adverse situations and adverse feelings which to me is detrimental because i mean to anyone's detrimental because it increases stress hormones it increases anxiety, it increases anger, fear, et cetera. And it creates a situation in the body where it's physiologically unable to relax and repair and heal. And so I've had to learn to come to terms with this is the way my life is. And um, at whatever stage of this condition that I've had, which again, changes every day. And I had to come to terms with that and accept the fact that some days I can do more, some days I can do less, some days I need to use more ice and more heat and more massage and more this and more that or less of this or less of that. And I need to focus more on me. I may need to cancel appointments or, or, or schedule uh, you know, social events I may need to pull away from. So what yeah. do I need right now to be the best me for others? Yeah, but I, I love that you said, what do I need right now? Like, what, what is it that I can yeah. do? Or what is it that my body needs right now? Because as you just mentioned, that can change. Sometimes, like you said, you might need more heat. You might need more ice. It's just, it's what is it that will help in this moment. And I, I think a, a big thing, uh, a topic that we discussed when we were planning this, uh, this conversation was uh, 
emotions and how emotions can um, impact the way that you respond to uh, your your illness, your pain. And I, I am so such a believer in that for sure. Uh, how the emotions, mm-hmm. how your emotions can uh, trigger certain things and and increase certain uh, feelings of pain and discomfort in your body. And uh, I mentioned to you that I, I read your article, Don't Be Positive, Be Honest. And that mm-hmm. article really hit me because uh, it's not that... In, in my life, I, I have shared on the podcast, I share with family and friends and people who know me, I have discomfort pretty much all the time, my back, my legs, something is always aching or something. Um, and it's it's not that I, I, I don't go around and say like, oh yeah, my back is hurting today. It's, you know, it's really bad. And um, to, but then I'm, I'm also not overly positive about it either. It's like, it's not, no, everything's fine. And it's like, no, I'm a little sore today, but I acknowledge it. And then I just really, uh, you know, keep, keep going and just figure out how to lessen that, uh, that discomfort, lessen that pain. And um, one of the uh, paragraphs that I wanted to share with uh, people from that article that you uh, wrote, it says also, also critical is to not get too high or too low emotionally. So the way we characterize Life events is very important. Be as even keeled as possible. An aroused nervous system cannot heal, which is why we must why we must calm our minds. If you want to fight something, fight the desire to give up on yourself during tough times by viewing your obstacle as a challenge to overcome, which will change your mindset and reduce the negative toll reactions to life events you have on your health. Like that was, I, I read that and I said, wow, <laughs> it, it makes mm-hmm. so much, it's, it seems so simple and it makes so much sense all at the same time. And it's at the same mm-hmm. time, it's also so difficult for people to do. Um, so yes. can you, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about how, uh, how emotions play a role in, uh, in your overcoming of, uh, or working through dealing with your, your chronic illness and pain? Yeah, for a long time, I did not deal with it emotionally well at all. Um, I, in the early in the early years, I. Uh, do you mind me going back that far if it's okay? Because there's a oh, the reason fine. I wanted to snack because of the in comparison, and also because I, I also want to speak to those who are listening that maybe at that point I was where they're just so desperate and helpless and hopeless feeling as I was for a long time. And how my thinking was back then, not to say that, 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 that just, if you change your thoughts, your life's going to completely change. It's, 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 there's gotta be more to it, but that's a, that's a huge, huge component for that. Um, but back when, when I was really hit hard with this and I literally, and I tell, tell people this and it's sometimes hard to believe I literally lived on my floor. And what I mean by that is the pain was such that, and the contractions and spasms in my, in my neck and my shoulders and my back were so intense that the pain made it too pain, too difficult for me to sit up for more than say 10 minutes. I had to literally lay down and even laying down didn't alleviate all the pain. I would roll around as if I was being beaten almost and trying to avoid the beating because I was just being tortured by this, this, this outside force it felt like. And um, I just didn't know what to do or how to function. 
And so I, I was so bitter. I was so angry. I was so resentful. I was so, and I was so filled with grief about how my life had totally gone from being this active, fully functional person to this person in so much pain who couldn't do basically anything. And I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. And so, um, I, I, I finally, you know, I'm not one who likes to use medication or anything, but I finally said, I need some medications. And I did. And that helped me feel a little bit better, which made my mind feel a little bit better and, and emotionally feel a little bit better. Cause I felt like it'd be a little bit more functional and a little bit more meant not a whole lot. I could sit up for half an hour versus 10 minutes. Um, but then I found, um, I found alcohol and alcohol became a huge, um, uh, self, uh, medicating tool for me. And to the point of basically drinking myself, uh, drinking for like five or six years and having a ridiculously horrible diet that was basically for the sake of comfort, um, to deal with the, the emotional pain that I couldn't figure out. And as well as the physical pain. And I ended up putting on 150 pounds. So I went from this, this very athletic 180, 185 pound guy to about 330 or more. And I have since lost all that weight. But during that period of time, I didn't really feel like I had a purpose on this earth. And so I thought I've just got to, I didn't have the guts to take my life. So I, I had to find a way to get to, to, to kind of get through every single day. And that was kind of my, my means for doing that. Um, so back then my mindset was, was all about just how do I get through the day? And that was the way I did it, which was not a healthy way to do it. Um, when I changed those habits, I began to study more and learn more about the mind and how the mind works and about emotions and the emotions I was experiencing. And I began to talk with, with different people and some were just the people that were living with the same condition and living with pain. And some people were just, some of them were, were professionals. So therapists I would talk to and get better idea of what it was that I was experiencing physically as well as emotionally and how the emotions were, were impacting me because I was filled with so much anger even after all the drinking stopped and all of the poor eating and everything, uh, and I lost all the weight and I began to get better control of my symptoms via a lot of different um, the, the therapies and things I was utilizing, I was still grieving the life that was gone. And I had to, I knew I had to make the switch and turn the, turn my, <laughs> This is something that Robin Roberts, um, she's a reporter for ESPN and has been a reporter for a lot of other news stations and things. She, she had cancer and she said, turn your mess into a message. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to share that with someone who ran a dystonia organization and showed him what I'd been through and everything. He said, would you mind sharing your story with my readers? And I wrote an article and it was in his magazine. And all of a sudden, I didn't realize how in, in writing that article, it made me really kind of face myself and what I had been going through. And I began to, to think differently. And I began to work on dealing with my anger, my grief, my depression, my anxiety, um, resentfulness, bitterness, et cetera. And the more I did that, the more I began to calm down my nervous system. So I was doing breathing exercises. I was doing meditative type things. Um, I was really working on, 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 on as much mindfulness type behavior and thinking as possible. And the more I did that, the more at ease I felt emotionally and the more at ease I felt physically, in addition 
do all the other things I was doing to help with the physical symptoms as I'm still doing to this day. Um, but the more I fought against what was, which was pain, anxiety, depression, fear, isolation, and blah, blah. I mean, I think the list is endless of, of what I was going through. The more I fought being that, uh, the, fought that reality, the worse my symptoms became. So I said, I have to stop fighting this. I have to learn to embrace this. What can I do to make the best of a difficult situation is my, is, is what I began saying. And that's what I kind of the, not mantra, but kind of the words I go by now is how do I make the best of a difficult situation? How can I be in the mindset of taking action? Like we were talking earlier, what can I do right now to change how, um, you know, what do I need right now for myself to feel better? And I began to be more mindful in that, in that way. And I learned how to change my reactions into responses. So rather than being this visceral gut reaction type person to the world around me, as well as what I was physically and emotionally experiencing, I began to step back, take a breath, think about it, and be more responsive versus reactive. And that made a huge difference. And so... Again, I'm going to go back to saying this fighting. You know, when we're filled with anger, your stress hormones go through the roof and the body cannot heal. And that's why I say to be as in that, in that, in that little uh, paragraph you read is we need to learn to be as even keeled as possible emotionally. And so when something really good happens, you know, enjoy the moment. When something really bad happens, be careful about getting too low. So try and maintain stability with your emotions the best we can. So too high and too low can can sometimes um, be somewhat damaging. So we have to be very careful about how we categorize things and how we're fighting against things that we don't like. And my belief is that we have to, whatever it might be, we have to face it, to embrace it, to erase it. And that's what I began doing. And that's what really has been the key for me to get through the really, really tough times and whatever hits me nowadays. And I've been hit with some serious stuff in the last five or so years. And I've had to look within and just deal with everything one at a time. The face it to embrace it, to erase it. That was, uh, <laughs> that's great. Wow. I, when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. But, yeah. So it, it's really, um, that that was yeah you definitely answered the question for sure um i think as as i mentioned it's living with something that causes pain constantly or almost constantly it's it's hard to um you know we always you always hear things like oh well there's no sense in complaining or nobody wants to hear about you complaining and so you you automatically try to keep things upbeat and keep it positive, um, positive attitude and, and put, you know, put the positivity out uh, into the world to the people that you encounter. But it's also so very important to be honest about what, you know, about what you're feeling, what you're dealing with. And um, like you said, you have to face it and, and to embrace it and then erase it. So it's a uh, you can't, if, if you're ignoring it or acting like it doesn't exist, I think is, uh, it can be very uh, detrimental to, uh, to your healing in, in a way. So I, th yeah. I appreciate that I think that there's answer. a difference between, thank you. Uh, and I thank you very much. I think that there's a difference between complaining and sharing. So 
you know, we can go on and on and moan and groan about all the problems. And we, we all know people who do this, I'm sure. And some, some of us may be these people. I know I was at, at one point. Um, but I, I work as a life coach now. And um, I've been dealing, I've, been, I've been, been, been talking with clients for the last eight, nine years now all over the world. And a lot of them, you know, I'll ask them, so how are you feeling? And, and well, I got this and I got that, but I don't want to talk. I'm just being so negative. And I said, no, you're being honest. You're sharing with me right. how you're feeling. Yeah. And if you're, and if you're just, if you're moaning and groaning about everything all the time and you're playing this and, and you fall into this, what I call the victim mentality, where it's just, you know, why me, why this, why that that's complaining. That's mm-hmm. not looking for solutions. That's not looking for answers. That's not looking for a way out. That's, that's allowing that, that's, that's actually getting you more trapped in that place. And some of us need to get trapped in order to get out. So we need to get lost sometimes in order to find our way. So people say, well, I'm at a crossroads right now. And I say, awesome, you've got four options. So imagine if you ever saw the movie Castaway, at the end of the movie, here's Tom Hanks sitting at the middle of, I don't know, Kansas, Oklahoma, somewhere on these dirt roads. He's got, I can go this way, this way. I got north, I got north south, east, west. I'm at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. He didn't know where to go, but he had four options. And so when we start complaining, we don't see options. When we share honestly how we're feeling and we then go, well, what do I do next? We have north, south, east, west. And we have, we have, elite, we have, we have, we have options, four or more options. And that's yeah. the way that I think change our habit of thinking of of complaining and getting stuck in that mindset of, of why me victim mentality to one of making change. How can I, how can I do something different today to make things better? That's different. I think. Yeah, that's a great, um, great analogy to use with the uh, castaway reference with uh, at the crossroads and, and just, uh, you know, people see the crossroads as like a, like, what do I do? What do I do? And like you said, you have at least four options there at a crossroads because it's, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I that's, mean, yeah, literally speaking, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Uh, a great, I'm, I'm a visual person, so I, I really can, uh, identify with the crossroads reference. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so thanks okay, for that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I, I know you touched, uh, a little bit, uh, on your uh, weight loss uh, journey, is there anything else you wanted to add to that before we move on? I just wanted to check with you. Um, well, I, I mean, I could add a lot to it. It's, it's, um, it was, it was, it was just a whole other chapter in my life, which I'm grateful for going through. And that's a big thing for me too, is gratitude, um, mm-hmm. gratitude for everything. And my belief is that nothing is happening to me in life. Everything is happening for me. And I may not like it, But if I look at it from that perspective, that again, creates options for me. And if I can look at it as, okay, this is happening, this is happening for a reason. I believe everything happens for a reason. Not everybody believes that, but I do. And that helps me get through things. And so when something happens or I'm going through something difficult, say, okay, there's a reason for this. And I'm going to try and figure it out. I may not figure it out, but I'm going to do the best I can to work with it versus working against it. And so I reached a point with my, with my horrible lifestyle, with my weight, where I knew I was killing myself and I, it was just a very slow process and it was very, I was just so beyond miserable. Um, and I finally, I made a decision. It was a decision point that we, we, we all have these decision points in our lives 
where we can continue doing the same thing, but on the same path that's destructive, or we can get ourselves out of it. And I reached a point where I said, this is enough. I'm tired of being so sick above and beyond this condition that came on, no fault of my own. But everything else here, I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for what I'm putting in my mouth and what I'm drinking and who I'm talking to and how I'm relating to things. And and I know that this weight is going to kill me and it's going to burden the people that love me most. And I refuse to put myself or them through that. So I'm going to take responsibility for myself and I'm going to get myself back to eating well. I'm going to slowly begin exercising again. I'm not going to overdo it. I'm going to, in the, at the same time, I'm going to work on trying to manage my dystonia symptoms better. And when I, when I made that decision to do that, my life changed. And within 10 months, I lost 150 pounds. So anyone out there who's struggling with weight or anything else like that, that's, th there is a way out. I promise you. There's a way out. If we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change, which I was looking at your Instagram earlier, and you have that quote by Wayne Dyer on there. And I saw that and I went, that's so cool because that's one of my favorite quotes ever. And that was a life-changing quote for me. I got it from your article. That. <laughs> oh, you did? I oh, did. cool. <laughs> I did. I, I got it, it from your article. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. On my Instagram, I'm trying to, um, every so often, at least once or twice a week, I'm trying to add uh, some quotes uh, just to inspire people. And on Mondays, I, I have a general post about what are you grateful for uh, to give people a chance to just say what they're grateful for. And uh, in preparing mm -hmm. for our conversation, I was rereading the, uh, the Don't Be Positive, Be Honest article. And I was like, oh, wait, I was like, this is a good quote and I should put it up tomorrow. So... <laughs> So I did. I got How that. Funny. That's yeah. I had no idea. That's so funny. That's it. So, so thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> you're telling me. Yeah. That's another great quote that I like, which is right above that article, that uh, paragraph you mentioned in that blog I wrote. It's from Nelson Mandela. It says, if you want to make peace with your enemy, you have to work with your enemy. Then he becomes your partner. And a lot of us look at the challenges in our lives as enemies, as if it's outside of us. And it's not. It's within us. So if we learn to make peace with whatever is causing calamity in our lives, then, it be, then we begin to work with it. And then we find a way to get through it. And that's what, I've, that's what I strive to do every day with whatever challenge, you know, is in my way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, um, this is a great conversation. I love what you said that everything happens for a reason. My dad always, always said that to, to us. Um, so that was that was good to hear again to, as a reminder. <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's it's a it's a tough one though, and and a lot of people I know don't believe that and don't like that, and 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 you can certainly you know pick out certain things that happen in life and go well, what's the purpose of not want to really get into any specific things, but you know what's the purpose of this catastrophic awful thing that happens to somebody, and I don't have the answer to that. Right. I don't know the answers to those, but I, but I think that there's, there's a learning in something that, that comes with it. And even if, even if not, at least set yourself up for the, the possibility that that might be the case, because that then sets us again, it, again, it sets us up for, for options, possibilities of, of something other than what's, what's absolutely, you know, killing us on the inside that we're grieving so much. Yeah. So I think looking at it that way from my, that's been a big thing for my life. So for me, it's been helpful. Yeah, for sure. My, I know, one, 
Well, I know my dad, he, um, he passed away actually in 1999. Uh, he had uh, mm. prostate cancer. And uh, I, I remember growing up and having a disability and not knowing, and uh, I should say questioning, like, why was I born like this? Why, why, why this? Why me? Uh, as a kid, you mm. know, missing out on, on a lot of things that other kids were doing, playing sports and just going places and things that I couldn't do physically. Um, and it's just, I, I always tried to remember that you know, everything happens for a reason. And it's like, okay, I'll figure out my reason, the reason for mm. this diagnosis in my life, I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> uh, and I, mm -hmm. I feel like I have figured uh, at least part of it out. And, and that is mm -hmm. uh, starting the Our View company and, and being able to share my story with others and help to uh, bring awareness about disabilities, because it's, um, mm -hmm. I, I mention it all the time that our stories as people with uh, disability diagnosis, our stories are still uh, untold. Like there, there's still so much that people don't know about certain uh, disabilities yeah. and certain diagnosis like dystonia. I didn't, you know, I may have uh, met people that have had it, but I never understood what it, uh, what it was my, myself. So, uh, you know, meeting you and, and talking to you and reading through uh, your story and, and hearing you even talk today is uh, very educational for me. So I'm, I'm sure you will definitely uh, educate uh, many more people who will hear this episode. So thank you. Uh, thank you again for your, your time for uh, talking about this. Yeah, my pleasure. I hope so, because there's a lot of people like myself. Um, I was really kind of one of the lucky ones in that I it only took eight to 10 months before I was able to get an estrogen diagnosis. And I know people that have gone decades without a diagnosis or a wrong diagnosis and treated incorrectly and made it worse, which actually happened to me early on too. So, um, so I, I was really kind of lucky. So, so hopefully this brings more awareness because it's becoming, I'm seeing more and more, I'm in a minute, uh, one of the, one of the admins for an online support group on Facebook and we've got almost, we've got between nine and 10,000 members, I think right now. Um, and more and more people are joining every single day. And so there's a lot of people out there that are undiagnosed that are going through this. And it's um, uh, hopefully we're becoming more educated now. And that's why we're seeing more people being diagnosed. I don't know, but there are more people out there that have, that have yet to be diagnosed. So, so the numbers that they have regarding how many people have this are not that accurate. I hope this helps some people who are out there. Um, I actually have a video on YouTube. It's called What is Dystonia and What Does It Feel Like? And it goes through um, a description of what it is. It's only a four-minute video. It goes through a description of what it is and also some examples of how it feels. Um, and a lot of people have looked at that and said, hey, that's what I'm going through. And that's what, or that's what so-and-so I know is going through. So if anyone's listening and this sounds similar to what you may be experiencing, Google that or go to YouTube and check that out. Or you can Google that because I have an article um, and a blog that, that also has a descriptive, you know, it's written out what it is and how it feels and along with the video uh, embedded in the article. So if anyone's listening and they're going through something that sounds like dystonia or another movement disorder, please check those things out. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for, um, for mentioning that. Uh, when we first started and your uh, introduction 
of yourself. You mentioned that you have a book coming out, but um, you mentioned it was your second book. So <laughs> could you tell us about your first yeah. and your upcoming book <laughs> that you have coming soon? Yeah, uh, thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, my, my first book I wrote, it was published in 2015. It's called uh, Diagnosis Dystonia, Navigating the Journey. And it's all about what the condition is. And it speaks to all of the, the physical and emotional and social and vocational aspects of living with this condition. Because as anyone who has a health condition knows, not just your physical health is impacted. Every part of your life is impacted in some way, shape, or form. And so this book covers all of those things. So it goes through you know, stress and anxiety and, and and how to manage all these things too, and pain, physical pain, emotional pain, grief, um, dealing with the public and how do we, you know, how do we get comfortable in an uncomfortable situation in our own bodies for one, and also when we're in public, if we are visually showing symptoms or if we need to use um, certain assistive aids. And you know what that's like living with spina bifida, you, you, yeah. you, you know, how that can be. Um, and so it, it discusses basically, and that's why I call it navigating the journey, because it is a journey of a lot of ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns, no pun intended, because that's sort of the symptoms of dystonia are twists and turns, physical symptoms of, of that with the muscles, and how to get through the day, every single day of living with this, how to, how to approach doctor's appointments effectively, how to get the most out of that. Um, how to, uh, again, how to deal with, um, with, with all of the, the, the difficult, painful emotions that come with it. Um, basically, how to deal with, with the intense suffering of, 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 of it. But um, I, even though the title is about, it says dystonia in the title, and a lot of the information is geared towards people with dystonia, it's really a book that's for anyone that's going through any kind of a difficult health situation, which is what really prompted my second book, which is called Beyond, <clears throat> excuse me, Beyond Pain and Suffering, Adapting to Adversity and Life Challenges. So what I did is I took some of the information from that book and I modified it to make it more general, to reach the broader audience for which the information in that current book ended up because I had a lot of people that read that first book that did not have dystonia, who were either going through a health condition that was different, or they were just interested in reading it, and they did, and they found it to be very helpful for them. So they said, "Well, if you replace the word dystonia with whatever you know they're dealing with, this would be, you know, this has been really helpful for me." So I thought, well, "Let me write a book here that goes much more in much more in depth into." what pain is, what suffering really is, and how to, you know, and what adversity is, and what it really means, and what it really feels like, and how we can transcend that. And when I, when I use the title Beyond Pain and Suffering, it's not about being without beyond pain and suffering. It's learning how to, to adapt to adversity and not make the most difficult parts of our lives the most significant parts of our lives. So you have spina bifida, I have dystonia, but that's not our entire life. We right. have a lot of other things that we're doing. A lot of it was prompted by our health condition and it, 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 it created opportunities for us in different ways. And so, um, but it's not our entire life. We have things outside of that. So how do we, so the, so the book is filled with strategies for how we can 
learn to create a life while dealing with the challenges of a health condition or the challenges of financial issues, work issues, relationship issues, raising children, um, unforeseen events that may occur that just pop up out of nowhere. Uh, could be traumatic uh, events that occur from a catastrophic uh, hurricane or something. And I had that experience twice since I've lived where I lived um, and had to go through awful, stressful times. And it could just be, you know, we all have days where things just, everything hits the fan at once. It's just it's like nothing can go in our favor. It's kind of like you're being flicked in the head. It click, 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 click over and over and over and over and over. It just, and it gets to be overwhelming. So this is a kind of a, a self-help book for how to get through the challenges of life and adapting to the adversities that we, that we go through. And we all face them in different ways. So it could be some major thing like a major health condition or a major traumatic event that completely changes the course of your life. Or it could just be just the daily rigors of, of, of the stress of, of living. And so I get into a lot of stress and anxiety and I, I'm some of the same topics in the other book, but it's with new information, updated information and uh, things I've learned in the last six years since the publication of that book. So, um, and it targets a more broad audience. And it's for people that are living with actual physical pain um, or living with a, even if without pain, but living with a difficult um, health condition. But for people that are just living with the challenges of life, because man, life's hard. Life, yeah. life yeah. can really, you know, <laughs> really can sometimes. Be. And then, yeah. And, and you were saying before about, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, there's a reason for everything. And, and you, you know, you had said how, you know, you're starting to kind of, you know, some of those, some of that questions being answered. And that, I don't think is a question. I think that, 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 that answer comes to us throughout our entire lives. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not something that goes, Oh, it happened because of this very reason right here. Right. I think it's a little bit at a time we learn here and there. Yeah. Because definitely. new things happen. Oh, why did this happen? This happened. Oh, this, why this happened? And so that's what this book really kind of covers is is adapting to the challenges of life that we face and how do we embrace the fun times and joyful times and how do we harness more of those and how can we not deny not mask not not run away from the difficult things and 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 put this kind of going back to the article about you know don't feign or or fake positivity actually find things to be positive about and, and approach life in a different mindset so that you're living a genuine, authentic life, true to who you are and true to who you want to be and how you want to be in your life and with all the people in your lives. And that's really kind of what this book covers with a lot of tools and strategies and coping mechanisms and, 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 and ideas for, and concepts for, for how to cope with the good and the bad in life, basically. Yeah. Can you, um, can you just let people know where they can find your first book and uh, when your second book is coming out, where will they be able to find that as well? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the first book is uh, available on, um, it's on Amazon, it's in Kindle and paperback. Um, I also sell it on my website, which is uh, TomSeamanCoaching.com. And that is also where all my other information is for the life coaching I do and um, um, all the articles I've written and all the, the blogs. And I've got some, some uh, videos and all sorts of other things on there. So a lot of resources for a lot of different uh, physical and mental health challenges. 
and just basic overall life, uh, rather healthy living strategies. So TomSeamanCoaching.com. And then this new book will also be available on Amazon and also on that Tom Seaman Coaching website. Oh, great. So They'll everybody, both be available in those two, two different places. Yeah. So everybody keep an eye out. We'll, um, I'll post a link to your uh, first book and also to your website in the uh, description of this uh, podcast episode. And uh, we'll definitely cool. keep Thank an you. eye out for when your uh, second book comes out. So um, cool. to, Thank you. It should yeah. be a couple of weeks. Oh, great. Yeah. So to wrap up this episode, what is something that okay. people misunderstand about your dystonia diagnosis or people with disabilities in general? There, there's, been, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about um, uh, so many aspects of this in that people don't really, I think, grasp what chronic means because most people are used to getting something and having a, an expected period of recovery and then being okay and going on with their life. So when I first developed this, um, people thought, yeah, a month of treatment, a couple months, boom, back to a normal life. And then when that didn't manifest, people kind of were confused by it, as was I. I kind of felt the same sort of a thing. And then 20 years later, because I've had this for 20 years now, uh, 20 years later, I still have it. And I have people say, he still has that? Really? So even though they know it's chronic, it's just something that's not really understood. The thing about also just general disability is that a lot of people hear that and they have this picture in their mind of what a disabled person is. And it's different for everybody. And unfortunately, I think some people, it's, it's, you may, you may look, you may, we're visual creatures. We're just, we just, we, we, when we see something, uh, I'll give you an example, actually. So my mom had cancer. Uh, breast cancer and you look at her she looked as beautiful as she did the day before she was diagnosed as the day she was diagnosed looked as healthy as can be diagnosed I'm standing next to her and someone says hey you look wonderful you must be all better now and I said well I feel all this and that and they didn't believe me they didn't believe that I felt the way that I was describing how I was feeling yet they believed my mom because cancer was believable because they understood and they knew what cancer was and they knew that the test proved it and the treatment she was getting thereafter were real versus, versus me, who was just kind of looking like I was doing better because my symptoms improved so much from all the things that I've been doing, but they didn't believe that I was experiencing pain, muscle contractions, uh, imbalance walking, uh, dizziness, uh, all sorts of other things I was going through. People didn't believe me because they didn't understand it. So there's a lack of awareness about a lot of different conditions. So that's been probably one of the frustrating things for me is not that I really care if people believe me or not, but it's just like, why wouldn't you believe that I have this and I'm going through this, but it's easy to believe something else. It's because they know what that is. They don't know what this is. So there's so many different disabilities out there or not even disabilities. There's just a lot of conditions people are living with that if you don't know about it, you kind of yeah brush it aside as if it's not a real thing. Um, the other thing also is that people that are living with the health condition uh, they forget about the abilities that they have versus everything that they, you know, can't do. And this is also for people that are living with the condition is the focus is always on, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, what can you do? What can you, you know, what can you, you know, focus on that you still can do versus going in the other direction? I really appreciate <laughs> that answer, especially the last part, because one of my goals and my missions, uh, 
with the podcast and with the Our View company is to change the tone of conversation, how people see those who have disabilities and how, as you yeah. mentioned, how people with disabilities see themselves instead of focusing right. on the, I can't, uh, you know, I can't walk, I can't see, I can't hear. It's like, what are you able to do? Because you are still able to have some type of impact on the people around you in your, you know, in your inner circle, in your community, in your neighborhood, your your state, or the world around you. You're still able to have a great uh, a great sphere of impact uh, on on the people around you based on the things you are able to do, and to right. change the the tone of conversation about how those outside of this outside of the disabled community see those with disabilities, and not just as oh, that's Arthur, he uses a wheelchair. It's, you know, it's Arthur and he does all these cool and fun things and great things. So I, I truly mm-hmm. uh, am grateful for that, uh, that answer there because oh, that good. really, really is um, really what I'm, I'm all about here and just trying to mm-hmm. uh, give a, a new perspective and have people see those who have disabilities as... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as people who are active in the, in their communities, and just uh, I love the 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 difference you gave between uh, your condition and uh, your mom's, with people having a better understanding of what cancer is and and what it means, and uh, the effects of the treatment that that she had to go through, but not really understanding what your condition was, and uh, because you looked a certain way, it was like, oh, you must you know you must be better, so. Um, but you're still right. in, inside, you're, you're physically still dealing with so much. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so that, that was a good, um, great answer yeah. and a great way to uh, wrap up this episode of the, the podcast. Cool. So, good. yeah, so good. thank you so much uh, again for your, for your time here, Tom. And, um, you know, everybody just uh, go to uh, the Amazon link. Like I said, it'll be provided in the description here. Uh, on the podcast episode and to uh, Tom's website as well and see all the great things that he is uh, doing, read all of his articles that he has written. They are great and you will definitely be uh, enlightened and educated and you may find some good quotes like I did um, <laughs> that you'll be able to share <laughs> with uh, on your social media sites. So <laughs> uh, it's all, cool. all just, yeah, it's all great information. And I really uh, appreciate your time today. And I really uh, learned a lot here uh, during this conversation. I, I learned a lot myself. So thank you again for your time. And I will, um, I'll be in touch with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. It was really great to meet you. Oh, great. It was great to meet you as well. And have a good day. You too. Thank you. Take all care. Right. Thank you. You too.